Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers. I'll be bringing another message today out of the book of Revelation. And again, our context today is Revelation chapter 21. The verses we'll be covering today are verses 12 through 17. So if you have a copy of God's Word and would like to follow along as I read this, I encourage you to do so. That way you can stay up with it and understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's a very interesting passage, very difficult, uh, yet simply laid out so that I think we can understand in a broad view about some of the things John is privileged to see and to record so we can see heaven in his full glory. Beginning in verse 12, the Word of God reads in Revelation chapter 21, verse 12, It had great high wall with twelve gates, and the gates twelve angels, and the names were written on them, which are those of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. And the city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod 1,500 miles. Its length, width, and height are equal. And he measured its wall 72 yards, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. And I'll stop right there. I may can get to verse 18, but most likely that will be next time. So we begin talking in Revelation chapter 21 about this vision that John has. Uh, The angel calls him away. This is one angel that's recognizable as one he had seen before who was uh, participating in the judgment. And he carried me away, it says in verse 10, in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now let me just make a couple of uh, interesting comments. Uh, generalizations here, observations that are are real simple, and we may have covered them last time. I just want to make sure we cover them this time. The first observation is, he shows me the holy city, Jerusalem. Now notice that. This is what John sees once the angel is through speaking. But when the angel is speaking, the angel says, come here, I shall show you the bride, the Lamb of God. So he's showing him the bride, the Lamb of God. John sees a city. So something in that city that John is describing as a city, to the angel, it is the bride, the Lamb of God. And so, the wife of the Lamb, I mean. So there's something recognizable to the Lamb as the bride and something recognizable to John as a city. So they're different, but they're yet the same. They're just both calling it something different. That's one observation. The second observation is that it says, He showed me the holy city, (coughs) Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now go back over to verse 2, and you'll see of the same chapter, 21, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Both places, it says, coming down out of heaven from God. 
It says where it's coming from, but he doesn't say how far it's going to keep coming down. It doesn't say to the earth. And so many writers that I see make such general, make such uh, interesting statements about this a whole passage that uh, it's just it's confusing, I think, to readers that when they hear it, then they go back and read. They don't see those things. And so my point is this. Don't add to the Scriptures things that are not there. And if it says it's something, then it is something. If it says it's like something, that means it's like something, and then it's not that thing. But this is something that he sees, the lamb, the wife of uh, the, the, uh, the angel sees it, says, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. John sees the city. Remember, this is like, think about a picture uh, that you're seeing on television. The, the, the movie starts out, and you're seeing a broad view of something just real far away. And the camera begins to zoom in slowly, and you begin to recognize some of the features of it. That's what we see here. So one of the first things John sees in this city which, by the way, is the city. I think this is the place that John chapter 14 describes as my father's house. And I think that is what is being described. This was promised by John in John chapter 14. The place that the Lord had been preparing for his beloved is now coming down towards the earth. Now, whether it rests on the earth, lands on the earth, or hovers above the earth, we're not told that information. So if we're not told that information, we can't presume information from the text to ourselves. So we just can't, we don't have that freedom to do that. So I think it's the uh, Father's house is being described here, and it's it's a, a, a very describable place that he can give us. But I also want you to remember is another way of general observation before we get into the exterior description here of heaven or of the city. It just is a reminder that chronologically God has a, a time frame for the uh, ages and events of the ages to happen at certain times. Now we get sometimes want to debate some of those, but I think generally we would all agree that uh, we see these things and that the rapture of the church has already passed this is where we are in John, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 21. The rapture of the church has passed. The tribulation period is over. The judgment on earth with all the death and destruction that went on has passed. Armageddon is over. All that's done. Um, uh, the, the millennial kingdom is over. This is after the kingdom. Uh, all the rebellion uh, that is at the end of the kingdom is, is ended. God destroys the world and heavens with the fire, uh, the lake of fire has already been discussed. The judgment, the great white throne judgment has already happened. And then we come into Revelation chapter 21, and we see a new heaven and a new earth. And so this is where that is. This is what is being seen here by John. So I just wanted to give you that general observation about this. And so he's giving us a description here, and I think a simple outline of this would be just to follow the verses. I think uh, when we looked at last week, what is intended by the phrase crystal clear jasper, which is the way verse 11 ended, it is a gem, it's flawless, it's like a diamond, not with light shining on it, but with light shining from it. This is what John sees. I think this is very important. 
Whatever this is that the angel is showing him, he calls it, the angel calls it the bride, the wife of the lamb. And John is seeing this big thing coming out of heaven. And so it's, it's coming into focus here, and it's got light coming from it. There's not light shining on it so you can see it. It's light is coming from it. And I think this is the way he's describing it in verse 11, with the light shining from it, coming from the inside and refracting its rainbow colors all over the new heavens and the new earth, the new heaven singular and the new earth. So that is what is catching John's view. So the city that John calls, he sees it and he immediately calls it a city. He doesn't say, I had to think about it. I had to try to figure it out. I see it. And that's what he says. Notice how he says this here in verse 10. He carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Again, not coming to the earth. It doesn't even say above the earth, but it's coming down. It's coming out of heaven towards earth, I would assume toward earth. We could, I guess, assume that. But John is in heaven seeing this, this massive thing coming out. So it's a massive, I guess, a perfect diamond gem flashing the reflection of God's glory and infinite light. That's what we see. That's why last week I called it heaven and the glory of God. All of eternity then becomes bathed in the radiating splendor of God is the way uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse describes it, and I love that. And that is remarkable general appearance. It, it, he says it's like a massive, massive meaning because of the size that he's going to give us here in this section, and we'll take a look at that. So as we get into this, I want you to notice uh, just a few things about it. Number one, verse 12. As this is becoming into focus, John now notices that the, uh, or coming into focus, which is a general appearance, the exterior design of this thing that he is seeing. It's, a, it's amazing stuff. And, and, and as he's describing this, folks, I want you to realize these are human, human words, uh, human features, and I think it probably falls really short of the splendor and the glory and the majesty or the size, the massiveness of this thing that John sees. I think human language can't explain it. Our minds are going to have a hard time grasping this. But I think that as, we, as John gives us this, we'll be able to visualize. Uh, and you'll see what I mean as we go through. So there's no way to say uh, too much about this. I don't want to say things that are not here, but I want to say things that are here. And so we can, uh, we can begin to take a look at this. So it says in verse 12, it had a great high wall. Well, what does that mean? Well, remember I said you can't add to it. You can't take away, uh, which is what John tells us in uh, Revelation chapter 22. Uh, so what does it mean? Well, I think it means that it had a great high wall. That's exactly what I see here, and that's exactly the way I think it's intended to take it. And I say that because as we get further into this, other writers are going to be able to begin saying things that are just not there. They take liberties with the scriptures I don't think we're allowed to take. So it means that there's a great high wall there. It doesn't say something like a high wall. It says there it, saw a, it had a great 
high wall. And it means it had a great high wall. So he also says that with 12 gates, and the gates 12 angels, and names were written on them, which are the names, or which are those of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. So, now, it's amazing to me that we, uh, that as John sees this and it's coming into focus, that he's able to focus in on these things and to give us what he gives us in verse 12. Uh, it's not too hard to understand, is it? I mean, we can see very simply a great high wall. We don't know anything else about that because nothing else has come into focus. It's got 12 gates and uh, with 12 angels, and the names of the sons of Israel are on them. And by the way, everything has perfect symmetry, doesn't it? Everything has perfect balance. This is just, it just seems like this perfect order uh, that, that God would have, and that would be, seems to be the way God would operate. And here we see that. Uh, it's not a floating thing. It's not a spiritual or thing. It's not an invisible thing. John physically sees this place that has actual dimensions to it. And it has an outer wall. So it has limits. It also has access to come and go because it has gates. So we can see a lot from what we're seeing here. Uh, but we're not going to be able to give the full description because I just don't think human language can do it. You say, well, it has a wall. How high is the wall? Well, he doesn't tell us how high the wall is. He doesn't say much about the wall other than it's got gates. And then he goes into... Uh, a brief description about that, but we're not told anything about the, the, the wall yet. Notice in verse 17 that he begins, the, the angel measures the wall and gives that measurement to John, and so we can see some things happening there. But it doesn't say that the height or the how high the, hall, the wall is at this point, so he just gives us this as an introduction to it as it's coming into focus. Now, in addition to verse 12, the names were written on it. Each gate had a name written on it. And on each of those names was taken one of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. I think it's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, we can see that. That's very clearly laid out. You've got a, a great high wall. It's got 12 gates. At the gates, 12 angels. And each of those gates has a name, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. So, now with this, I think it shows... Um, if nothing else, I think it shows God's favor on the Old Covenant or the Old Testament saints because of the 12 tribes of Israel being listed there under the Old Covenant. And I think it also shows God's favor on the New Covenant or the church because it gives the names of the apostles a little bit later on. So, verse 13 tells us, I don't want to jump ahead. It's easy for me to do that. I just start jumping all over the place because of the way it's telling me, because of what it's telling me. Verse 13 gives you just a little bit more of the description about this wall. Look at it, what it says here in verse 13. There were three gates on the east. Now, in order for this to be uh, obvious, John's having to get a full view of this thing around. Notice he can tell by what he's seeing. If it's, a, if it's coming to him, he can't just see one wall, one side. He's able to see all of it, 
or maybe the him and the angel are moving around it at the same time. We can't tell. But he does make the observation for us there were three gates on the east, north, south, and west. And doesn't that just fit, I think, the rest of Scripture? Uh, you know, I think many times when I was teaching the Old Testament, I would say something like the, the millennial teaching that no one seems to know anything about is odd because there is such a centrality of information and uh, purpose in the millennial kingdom. And yet we see that even here when we go to just looking at the description of the gates of the New Jerusalem, the holy city. It reminds you, doesn't it, the way God organized the tribes around the tabernacle. And we've said many times that was the layout of the millennium as far as the way God operated with man. But the tabernacle in the middle had three tribes on each side. And by the way, uh, that is also the way God organizes people around the millennial temple. We know that. And so there is that centrality of focus all the way through the scriptures of of the millennium. Well, here it is. We're seeing it in the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, so the temple will be built on the millennial kingdom that is described. If you want to see that, I don't have time to go there, but Ezekiel 48 carries that. So here you see the same thing. Each of the gates has the names of the tribes, three on each side. And, of course, that celebrates, doesn't it, uh, for us all eternity, God's unique covenant relationship with Israel. We're going to always be reminded of that just as well as we will the new covenant relationship. And then verse 14, it says, and this it really gets detailed here, and the wall of the city, you see it there, and the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones. It's like John is looking this thing over, and then his eyes go down, and he sees the 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And so now you get down to the the very foundation stones. There are 12 of those, so we can assume that there are three of those probably under each of the three gates on each side. And at the top of the gate, you have the tribes of Israel. And at the bottom of the gate on the foundation stone, you have the name of each one of the the 12 apostles. And so, again, I think this is just showing God's uh, relationship with the Old Covenant the Old Testament saints, as well as the New Testament saints. Now remember now, by this time, the bride of Christ, which in the New Testament is referred to as the church, has been enlarged to incorporate all of the redeemed of all times. And we looked at that last week. If you missed that, I explained that carefully last week. Uh, So look at that again, and you'll see this is not just the bride, the New Testament, the church age saints as it was called then. This is encompassed now to the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints, as well as the tribulation saints. All of them have been brought into this, and all will be the inhabitants of that city, which I think is the reason that when the angel is showing this to John, he calls it the the bride, the wife of the Lamb, and he's looking. He knows who the contents are. He knows, I mean, what the contents are. He knows who is in that city. Not only is it God himself, but God with his people are there. 
And so that is radiating the light looking out, and John sees it as the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down. So John will begin to focus on the other later, but right now he's looking at and describing for us the exterior look at this. And by giving us the wall, the the tops of the wall, the gates, and then the foundation stones. So you see the exterior design then that the three gates on each side have names above and names below. The tribes of Israel and the names of the apostles. And then a curious thing happens in verse 15. Notice what verse 15 is. It's almost like a pause. It's almost like John or the angel says something and John looks away from the from the vision or the image that he's seeing this this the bride the wife of the lamb the holy city new jerusalem to the angel and look at what happens in verse 15 the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod he had to move his vision over to the angel to see this gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. Now, why does he have to do that? Well, that is an interesting thing, and we've seen this several times here. We've seen the measurement and this measuring thing happening several times. Number one, you see it. uh, We don't have time to go back there again, but it's Ezekiel chapter 40 all the way through Ezekiel, I think, for eight chapters. It might be nine chapters or seven chapters. But you go back to Ezekiel chapter 40 through Ezekiel 48 or 49. You have a description of the millennial temple. That is the temple that will exist during the millennial kingdom. And that will be built and established then. It's not a carryover from any other. That will happen during the thousand year reign of Christ. When you go back to chapter 40 verse 3 you see God there. And God is measuring the millennial temple. He's got what is really, in the context, a nine-foot reed, and he uses that nine-foot reed to measure that temple during the millennial. Millennium. When you go back to Revelation chapter 11, and we looked at, at this when we were in Revelation 11, you notice that John says, There was given to me a measuring rod like a staff, and someone said, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. Now, this would be the tribulation temple, a different temple, even a different temple from today. The temple that exists during the time of the tribulation, John sees that in his vision, he's told to get up and measure it. Now, the tribulation temple was measured. The millennial temple was measured. Well, I have to always ask when I see something like this, Some questions you can ask of the text, and you just can't seem to get an answer. But some questions you can ask of the text and get answers. And I think the answer is the significance of the measuring of the temple during the tribulation and the millennial temple. And what's the significance here is that it is the city of God. It belongs to God. That's what God was saying during the the tribulation time. That temple is His. The millennial temple, the same thing. The significance is that it belongs to God. In other words, God is measuring out what was His. He measures out His millennial city. He measures out His temple in the time of the tribulation. And here we see God is measuring out this, uh, the, the bride, the wife of the Lamb, as the angel calls it, or as John calls it, the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down 
out of heaven from God. He's measuring out the capital city of heaven. Again, an indication that it belongs to him. I think that's, that's, that's a, just a wonderful thing to be able to see. Man, we're in that city. We belong to him. Now, when it says a gold measuring rod, it's referring to a reed, which was a, a, I th- just a basic standard of measure. Uh, only this wasn't a reed. It was gold. And God had a gold rod when he measured the city to indicate, of course, that it belongs to him. Uh, and so you begin to see how he's plotting this out and he's using this. Now, <coughs> he finds out some information from the measurement. Uh, he's going to measure the city, then he's going to measure the gates, and he's going to measure the wall. Look at verse 16. So you move from 15, when he contains the measuring rod, look at what he does in 16. And the city is laid out as a square. Now, that doesn't mean a triangle. That doesn't mean a pyramid. And I've seen so many places where the people are writing, well, he doesn't tell us exactly. Well, he does tell us exactly. I think it says clearly that it is a square and its length and its height or its length is as great as the width and he measured the city with the rod 1,500 miles. Its length, width, and height are equal. So you say, well, what is the significance of that? Well, the significance of it is that he's laying it out. And in the original language, it is called a, they call it a four square. Uh, there's the actual way, the way the word translates, all sides and all angles are equal. The city is laid out as a square. I think that's clear. Uh, I, I, I don't understand why writers say, well, it's not as clear as you might think. I think he really means a pyramid. And as I was reading this morning, one writer says he doesn't literally mean that it's a cube laid out this size. That would be ridiculous. God would not make a city look like that. That's what the actual commentary said. So he said in the commentary, this is meant to be figurative. It means it's just a mass big enough for all the inhabitants. Well, I don't think that's true. I think it is massive. It is meaning to give us uh, maybe the, the, the idea that it's plenty big enough for all the saints to live there. But notice what he says here. He measured the city with the rod 1,500 miles. That means it's 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles across. It's a cube, 1,500 miles. Now, I don't know if you can relate to 1,500 miles. But 1,500 miles is, uh, is uh, pretty high. If you were to stand in your uh, driveway tonight and look up, and if you were to see the space shuttle flying around, that space shuttle uh, would fly, when it was flying, would, would fly at 250 miles high. So that's only a, just a part of this. This is 1,500 miles high. Think how much, how big that is. Now, Henry Morris, and uh, I think several writers quote him on this in trying to explain why it's not a pyramid, uh, is, is, uh, says this, that the pyramid, whether the ones in Egypt, Mexico, or whether, where, whatever parts of the world they are, have always been associated with paganism, with the pyramid's apex being dedicated to the worship of the sun god. That's why they were there. That was the point of them. They've always been associated with that. The first one being uh, a, a structure was the Tower of Babel, and the Bible always later condemns worship 
carried out in high places, whether these were simply natural hills or, or mountains or wherever, pyramids or whatever. The cube, on the other hand, was to shape specifically by God for the holy place uh, as in Solomon's temple in the Holy of Holies. And we see that. I mean, it's not hard for me to imagine this being a cube. And I think there's another reason for this has to be a cube, and that is that because the walls have to be at least as high as a city, and what would be the point of having three gates on each side if it was a pyramid? Um, So I think it's very clear that this is a cube. It is designed by God. God has laid this out, and you have to get access to all the layers so the gates has to run from top to bottom, uh, and there is no top to the city like a pyramid. It also needs to be, I think, uh, brought to mind that why would the gates be there? Well, we don't, we're not told that. We're just given a general description of the city. We can assume gates means you can come and go. Well, that may be, but we're not told that. So we're going to, at this point, just leave that alone. But 1,500 miles cubed uh, uh, is that, and I know that uh, so many people have asked, is that going to be big enough for heaven and all the inhabitants of heaven? And I think you can figure this out if you were look at this. It's two million square miles. That's a lot of space. Uh, now, again, Henry Morris is a scientist. He figures this out, and he says that is more than enough space based on the fact of uh, just his calculations. If you want to look at that, you can with Henry Mars. I just don't have the time to go through all the information he gives us. But uh, if you take basically, uh, and you would have to look at all the believers of all times, how many people would that be? Well, we're not told that. So we can't estimate it on number of people. But you can just give rough estimates. Uh, so with whatever estimate you come up with. He comes up with approximately 20 billion residents based on 20% of the Earth's population since it began. And I don't know how you do all that, but somebody's got more time on their hands than I do. I can't figure all that stuff out. But we do see that it is a square. It is uh, has 2 million square Miles. In fact, one writer has calculated it out to be 2,250,000 square miles. Well, that's even bigger. Okay, so that's, uh, that is a, a big place. And you can see the enormity of this as John is looking at this coming down out of heaven. You get the picture that I think it's big enough. It's big enough for however many people are there. What a place and you got to remember now, the streets that we're going to be describing for us a little bit later are not streets just all running this way across it, vertically. It's going to be horizontal, this straight up and down, and across. Streets will be all over the place. In verse 17, uh, the wall has 72 yards. I want to hit this before to make sure this is all on the same, uh, same message. But in verse 17, I will take a quick look at that. It's measured 72 yards my first reaction is it can't be high because it's a square. The walls have to be as high as a city. Uh, then I notice it doesn't say how high, so it must be the width. The only thing the 72 could be, and it doesn't say it. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's talking about the width of the walls. Uh, the width of the walls is 72 uh, yards 
wide. That is a, a thick, thick wall. And so you see that uh, he gives us this. and doesn't tell us why he's given us to it. But 216 feet thick uh, is, is just like God to give us something so precise, so exact. 72 yards according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. I think that goes without saying. It doesn't matter whether you say, well, an angel's yardstick is different than a, a human yardstick. No, it's, it's all the same the way they measured it. So, I don't think there's anything to refute here. I think this is a glorious picture. Uh, this is uh, heaven's exterior design, or heaven and the bride of Christ, however you want to look at that. And uh, so, once again, I'm out of time, and I thank you. Uh, you've been listening to William Rogers on a verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation. This week we found ourselves in Revelation 21, verses 12 through 17. Next time we'll pick up the description of these stones and the walls and some of the streets uh, that we're going to see there in, in heaven. So, again, thank you for joining me.